Hey fans, thanks for tuning in to another fantastic week of Voice of the Fans. This is week 48, doing something a little different this week. We're going to have Rick Buecher, Mr. Bay Area, and Cincinnati, Ohio native. We're going to have him talk about the Warriors then and now, talk about Melo, talk about the rest of things in basketball. We're also going to have Josh Martin of Close Up 360 with us to talk some local Los Angeles basketball. We're going. It's all basketball this week. Next week with the fo football season progressing, we're going to talk fantasy football. But this week we got Rick Buecher, Josh Martin. Stay tuned. Listen in. They're coming up next. Thank you guys once again for joining our show. And as always, thank you for making our voice your choice. We're live. Hey, this is Voice of the Fans. I got Mr. Rick Buecher, Mr. Bay Area. That's right. Hey, now you got a lot of things going on, big guy. So um, Bleacher Report, right? Yep. FS1. Yep. Um, your podcast. So just looking, listening to Buker and Friends. Okay. So thank you, you for that. You cover all sports, huh? It's not not just basketball. Yeah. Well, so when I stepped off from ESPN, I did it essentially so I could see my kids grow up. Okay. And uh, and so I took a radio gig. Okay. And. It was first in the Bay Area in San Francisco. So we were talking, and we were the flagship station of the Raiders and the A's. Okay. So we were talking all sports, and if you're in the Bay Area at that time, I mean, you got to talk Giants and 49ers and obviously the Warriors. So uh, so that was my introduction, and I went to Sirius XM, and I was on Mad Dog Sports Radio for five years, okay. and that was talking sports nationally. Okay. So... It was something, you know, when I first started, I shied away from that because I thought, as a newspaper guy, mm -hmm. I, I saw a columnist, and the columnist would come to me to kind of find out, like, okay, what's the real? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I thought, I don't want to be in a situation where I got to go to somebody else to, get to find out the real. So what can I do that will allow me to feel as if I can, if I work hard enough, I can wrap my hands around knowing everything that's going on? And I love the NBA, so it was, you know what, I'm going to try to be the foremost authority on the NBA. Okay. And that was manageable. And then I had a, and I, but then I saw some other guys, and they were, they were finding a way to do it. And, and I felt like everything that I learned about the business of the NBA applied to so many other sports and aspects of sports, that there's common themes there, right? Sure, sure. And... Uh, Colin Cowherd, when we were both at ESPN, said to me one time, because you don't have to always be right. You just have to be interesting. And it made me realize that, yeah, like I can look at a story in any sport or a situation in any sport, and I can do a certain amount of homework, but I can find that thread, the most interesting thread. That's what I do as a writer in general. And that's what kind of opened up my eyes to the idea that I could be more of a general 
a generalist when it came to sports, right. not just the NBA. And so, uh, so I've continued to do that. I don't want to. I don't want to having having grabbed that 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 string. I don't want to let go of that. Even though even though I've kind of gravitated back towards the NBA, but the FS FS one and I have talked about uh, doing some things outside of NBA. I think if you see in, in the shows that I'm on now, especially with Speak for Yourself, mm-hmm. I'll be on and we'll talk about topics, topics other yeah. than, than just yeah, the yeah, NBA. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed that, and I'm fully confident I can hold my own in, in, in those areas as well. So you got a soccer background. Yes, you, you yes. Play, you play soccer? Yeah, well, I grew uh, – so I'm a first-generation American, okay. and uh, – went over to Germany multiple times, Europe multiple times as a kid. Okay. You know, my family's philosophy was rather than buy a new car, we'll go overseas on vacation. That they experience that experience is better yeah, yeah. than than uh, a new set of wheels. And yeah, um, and I've tried to to take the same approach okay. with my kids. Okay. Um, and so German was my first language. Wow. And while I always loved basketball from the very beginning uh, I was a better soccer player and I was uh, exposed to a level of, of soccer fundamentals and all of that um, earlier than I was with basketball okay. I'm, I'm a reformed lefty shooter okay. who when I was a kid played with older kids mm-hmm. and so uh, I had to shoot from the outside and no one had ever taught me proper form so I had the I had the the Joakim Noah shot from outside and I could hit it but Uh, like I knew it was jacked up (laughs) right and so uh, so the rest of my life was dedicated to (laughs) fixing fixing my (laughs) shot and oh oh, the shot is good (laughs) but I I also it also inspired me like my kids both Uh my kids play Both of them are knockdown shooters. I was okay. like, the one thing I'm going to give you, because this has been, it's like somebody has a bad golf swing, right? right, right it's something right. you battle the rest of your life. Right, right. One thing I wanted them to have, it's knowing, nice, nice and you've done it, right? You've gone to the Y, and there's that old guy who can't move anymore, right. but can, he can hit it from anywhere. And you're just like, that dude can still play. Uh-huh. I, that, that was, you know, and I probably, it's meant too much to me, sure. uh, but I wanted to give that to my kids so that, for the rest of their lives, okay. they want to play basketball. Give a shout out to your kids. Uh, Matt and Chance. Matt and Chance. How yeah. old are Matt and Chance? Uh, Matt turned 15 today. Okay. And Chance is 16. Turned 16 in March. Okay. Now are you guys still playing one on one? Yes, but I got to pick my spot <laughs> because and it's one because of the recovery. <laughs> right. And two, because it's, it's I've done a pretty good job of, of filling <laughs> their confidence. There you go. Well, especially my daughter. I, I'm like, all right, every once in a while she gets a little, I'm going, let's, let's go. Yeah. Let's, let's, uh, uh, we, we got to go. I, I got to teach you a lesson. She, one day she looked at me, she goes, she goes, Dad, those days are over. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, come on, let's go. That's a good one. That's a good so one. I can win, I can win the first game. Might win the second game, but, but and then I get, go and then I'm, I'm I gotta retie my laces. I'm using every chick in the book to get a, to get a breather. You. That's a good one. That's a good one, man. So I, I first became familiar with you uh, in covering the Bay Area sports, Bay Area Golden State Warriors um, specifically. Um, so back in the '90s, you know, hmm. 
Chris Webber joining the run TMC. I was a big fan. I thought that was a match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happened? What was the deal? <sighs> Essentially, while it was, it, it should have been. And Webb would have been the perfect point forward for Don Nelson. Because yeah, Don Nelson was the originator of that. Yeah, and he yeah. was getting by with Tom Tolbert being that. Right. right? right yeah. And now you got a guy who is a passer, a willing passer, uh, IQ, sees the floor, can shoot it a little bit from range. And at that point, you didn't need three-point range. If right. you could shoot it from the elbow, you right. were good. He missed, he missed, uh, that mid-range jumper was awesome. But it was... It really was a battle of egos and will. And what I realized is that, you know, Nelly never had a player that had greater stature than he did. It was all guys who came in and for one reason or another, you could say they owed it to... They just wanted to fit in and be a part of the squad. Yeah, and he... and, and, and I'm, Guys that he developed, guys that he discovered. Even Chris Mullen, mm -hmm. as good as he was coming out of St. John's, but he had the alcohol drug right, problem. Right. He was looking for a chance. Nelson yeah. helped him through that. Right. So there was even even with that, that worked and fit. Okay. Webb was the first guy that first of all he didn't want him. He wanted Sean Bradley. That mm. was who he saw as the perfect mm. like the the young minute bull. Right. The oh. rim protector and the athletic, long, lanky guy. And again, but even Sean Bradley, as well-known as he was at that point in the draft, to the BYU, right. he'd yeah. taken a, gone on a mission. He had played for a year. Yeah, yeah it was, he, was, he, was, he wasn't Fab Five. Right. I mean, Webb was coming in right. with a reputation to protect, right. not a reputation to build. Right. And so, begrudgingly, Nelly drafted C-Web because everybody in the franchise was saying, look, we tanked in order to get, and this was a time when tanking was a word you didn't right, use, yeah, yeah. but it's what they did. Yeah. And this is the only other big man of, of note that we can get. We can't get Shaw Bradley. Philadelphia's locked into him. Mm -hmm. Orlando's not going to draft him because they got Shaquille O'Neal, and if the deal doesn't go through, now they got Sean Bradley and... and and Shaquille yeah, O'Neal, right. when they could have had C. Webb and Shaq playing next to each other, they're not going to do that. So this is, yeah, we know you want Sean, but this is the next best thing. Right. We got to do this. Right. So we did it, begrudgingly. But it was going to, you know, every day it was going to be, so, so I'm going to let you know who's running, who's, so who's in charge. Giving, he's giving Webber, he's making it a hard time for Webber, and, and Webber didn't fit in. And, 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 and Webb was just, and Webb didn't want to be a center. Like, that was the first, like, he looked at all of the talent at the center position. And this was a time when they were true seven-footers, yeah. true 280, 300 pounds. And he's like, I don't want to go up against them. But they were running the floor. He wouldn't have been posting up much. But, but still, it was he was going to have to defend yeah. those big guys. Yeah. Yeah. And he really did. Like, he was going to be abusing them because he was still 6'9". And he wanted to be the point forward. Yeah. That's what he wanted to be. And I thought I was I was looking forward to that. I really like that run TMC team, so I was really looking forward to that that marriage. And then just from afar, I just couldn't understand why it never kind of worked out. But I didn't understand that Nelly didn't want him. So the I, tough, that, that I kind of see that. Yeah, the toughest part was like the rest of the team loved Sewell, mm. loved what he did. Was he young? Yeah, but 
you know, Molly loved to have a big guy like that who could pass, and he was such a willing passer. Yeah. And this is the number one pick. Yeah. And he's coming in, and he just wants to I, I, get everybody I, I, I going. Thought, I thought that was a beautiful matchup. Um, so speaking of the Warriors now, they got obviously we had the injury. They lost KD. Does D'Angelo is is he is this long term or short term? First of all, and then is he a good addition? What do you think? I can't see how it's long term, but it is going to be a matter of what can they get for him. He does help. The, look, they're going to need scoring in a in a bad way. So they're going to let him shine. Then if they're going to be trying to, they're going to let him shoot. Him, but, yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, they they, they without Clay, without KD, right. they need a guy who can score. The difficulty is, he's not really a playmaker passer. Like they're, they are, the Warriors are not going to look anything like we've they seen them in the past. Anybody who thinks it's plug and play, uh-huh. you are sadly mistaken. Well, they haven't. He dominates the ball, whereas Curry, even though he could dominate the ball, he's awful. He relied on somebody else. So I don't think that's a bad thing in that sense. Well, but here's the thing, as as good as D'Angelo was last year, and he was good. Mm-hmm. Fact of the matter, there were plenty of times where Atkinson sat him down in the fourth quarter. Mm. Because mm. he can get kind of predictable, mm. and he can get, and, 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 and here's the simplest thing, you know, for all the D'Angelo Russell fans out there, and I've heard from them, because I, 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 you know, I've, I've, I've talked about this on FS1. Are you really telling me that they're going to be like everybody's like, well, you just put the ball in D'Angelo's hands and you can have Steph play off the ball. Really? You, a two time league MVP, <laughs> a guy who's won championships. You're perfectly comfortable with saying, you know what, I don't want the ball in your hands. I want the ball in the guy who was the one time all star who led so here, the, the, to, to the Brooklyn point. Nets to a, a playoff spot. To your, to your point, if you're doing that in the second and third quarter, it's okay. Sure. It's, it's okay. Yeah. But then come down crunch time. To put the ball on Steph's yeah. hands and let him and Draymond do his thing. So then that eases. I was really kind of thinking Steph was looking for a low management season. I was really thinking that considering the injury, yep. I, I thought they kind of take a year to kind of get things together. But it sounds like they're going for, they're going for it. Mm, I mean, they're going this is, I think this is going to be the really interesting part for the franchise. I think Bob Myers and Steve Kerr know. We could kill Steph and make a run for a playoff spot, or try to do you know be something this year, be some semblance of what we've been in the past. But that's not the smart play, because what because what is it going to get us? But what is that new stadium? Does that new stadium add pressure to? Not only that, but Joe Lacob, like Joe Lacob doesn't like he never wants to take a step back. Okay, okay. We're light years ahead of everybody. Right. He's got to live that down. Exactly. And and quite honestly, he's always thinking. We're, no, we're, we're going to contend. But I had so Bob Meyer says, well, he he didn't deny it. He just he didn't outright confirm it. I heard at the beginning of last year that Bob went to Joe and said, "Look, I just want to give you a heads up. We may not win as many games this year as we have in the past. We may have to." take it back a step uh, and Joe said no that's not acceptable and Bob was like it's not like we're not we're still going for a championship it just might not be the smartest thing for us to worry about getting the best record rather than 
preserving our guys, maybe losing a few games that if we played them a lot of minutes we would win, and having them ready to go at the end. And Joe was like, no, that's not acceptable. Like, he just didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear any, we're making any concessions. Right, yeah. And my understanding is he's looking at this this year the same way. Like, I don't want to suggest, you know, I don't want anybody to be talking about well, we may have to take a step back. So, what does that mean? Because, look, the, I'm not, and offensively... That has to be a selling point. I mean, they have to be saying that to keep their confidence up, to keep guys focused. You don't know, like you don't know Joe Lake. No, Joe Lakeup. Joe Lakeup doesn't think that way. I, I, I know it's hard. Realistically, they, they lost Clay and they lost KD. I mean, come on. You, you can't expect to be the same team you've been in the last two or three years. You would think. You would think. Here's the, here's the real problem. You know, we've been talking offensively. Mm-hmm. Where they're going to be bad. And I don't mean, like, just <laughs> not as good. Right. I mean, where they could be potentially bad is defensively. Well, in, the, in the post. Everywhere. In the, in the post. Who's on the perimeter? Well, yeah. Steph and D'Angelo? Right <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great and, point. And, and without Andre Iguodala. Who's guarding Giannis? Who's guarding LeBron? Who's guarding Paul George? Like all the dynamic small forwards in the league. And they let the young point guard go. Cook, he's not there anymore. Looney, he's a, but. I love Looney, and I'm glad they kept him. But. Yeah, he's one guy to look for your name. There's going to be your small forward, your power forward, and your center. Who's going to get there? Um, yeah, that's that's tough. So with Draymond, is, is this by signing, re-signing Draymond? Again, this sends a message that they're sticking together and they continue the same path. Is it, do you would you agree or? Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, but you have to weigh your options. What's the alternative? Draymond has been so instrumental, and the chemistry between Steph, Clay. And Draymond is so unique. That, that's what, and again, this is what bothered me the most about the whole light years thing, is that what you lucked into, let's face it, anybody tells me there was some master plan where they saw that when they drafted Draymond Green, first of all, they drafted Festus Azealia ahead of Draymond Green. So don't tell me you were so brilliant that you knew what Draymond Green was going to be. Because if you did, if you knew that he was going to be a defensive player of the year, if you knew he was going to be an all-star, you're telling me you wouldn't have got drafted him ahead of Festus Azealia? So stop with that. Draymond Green, Clay, and Steph, not only do their skills perfectly mesh, but their personalities, okay. in that they are different. Right. Steph is the leader, but he's a quiet leader. Mm-hmm. But he's a guy who, who just makes everybody feel good. He's comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. Draymond is the fire starter. He's the guy that gets after guys. He's the loud guy. Mm-hmm. And Clay is the has the same kind of uh, grit that Draymond has, both defensively and competitively. I mean, they all do. Mm-hmm. But doesn't need to say a word. Right, he's just more Right, just like, where do you need me, right? right. I'll be there. And so, so that's what people don't appreciate about how unique Mm -hmm. that core is and why you keep it together, even though at the price, 
See, I, the, the tough thing is going to be, like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll say it right here. This is something I'm probably going to write about. I'm, I'm giving it to your yeah, podcast. Is, that's great. We got breaking news here by Rick Buecher. Well, it's not, it's not breaking news so much as okay. I think it's people that aren't thinking. The best okay. thing that could happen to the Warriors this year, from a basketball standpoint, I know they're going into a new building. I know it's going to be expensive. best thing that could happen to them is that they don't make the playoffs. Why is that? Because they need to get some cheap, picks. great talent. Gotcha. They need a lottery pick type player on a rookie salary scale scale For contract. Years to develop, yeah. To develop and to add to that core. That makes sense. To, so that you can extend Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Yeah. And you got to get lucky and make sure that that personality and that talent fits. In. fits. But they're they're tapped out financially. And that's a that's a lot of what you're saying kind of makes sense. It's a, along the lines of what I was thinking. Why this year would be. Steph would get a load management year, yep. not looking towards a, not being a championship. How can you expect to be a championship team when you lose Clay? Why rush him back? And you lose KD, who's not a part of your team. Mm -hmm. Take take a hit this year. Mm -hmm. You guys are still there, um, and then we'll do it again in a couple. In, not this year, but the following year. Yeah. That's what I would think. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be the smart move that you talked about. Question for you: Was there a market for Draymond Green elsewhere? I know he, like, as you mentioned, he fits that team well. He fits that personality well. Is that is his? I think, just as a fan, his value is more for the Golden State Warriors than it would be for many teams in the NBA. It's a fair way to look at it. I don't know that he could be everything. Again, it goes back to what I was saying about the chemistry and the, the way the three of those guys fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of reason to believe that. Do I think there would have been a market? Yes, I think there would have been a market. Really? I think the Lakers would have gone hard out. Really? Yes. Well, I, I can kind of see that. Right? All that said, to have a year in which Draymond is thinking about, or Rich Paul is thinking about the next contract, what that would do to the Warriors in the present, yeah. I just don't think they wanted to go down that road. That makes sense. So it was a matter of not so much that we're fending off the market, <laughs> right, right. Let's just but it was up. let's not completely screw up this season yeah, yeah. or our relationship with him moving forward. That makes sense. If we can find a number that he's happy with and that we're happy with, let's, well, yeah, let's, let's reward him. And here's the other part. They've had a lot of bad news. Right? Clay's yeah. hurt. KD leaves. Andre, gone. Right? They needed a win. Let's keep, let's keep Signing, our guys Resigning Draymond and, and, and going into the new building, at least saying we've kept the core intact, Right. that gives you a selling something, point. Something to look for. They needed to. They needed to look for. That makes sense. So you took a trip to Seattle. Talk about Seattle. How, how was Seattle? And why you wait so long to go back to Seattle? I don't. It's a good question. Now that I went back, <laughs> I, I I can't. Uh, you know, I just didn't have reason to go there, and sure. I travel enough. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I went up for for a day or so, and I, it was like suddenly I went, wait a minute, <laughs> we, <laughs> why did we give this up as an so, NBA so stop? You, so you're going to talk to Adam Silver about getting a team up there? Listen, listen you got any inside news on this? I I. I I don't other than this is this is the, the tricky part. I think there are a number of franchises that would do well to move to Seattle. Probably New Orleans at the top of the list. 
from a just a demographics financially all that but clearly the Benson family is beholden to New Orleans sure. I don't see them I just don't see them doing that yeah. uh, it, it, certainly not any time in the near future uh, Memphis uh, you know Robert Perra I think likes being an owner and while Memphis is a tough market uh, I don't again don't I just don't I don't see him selling so it's going to be by expansion mm-hmm. and when we got to this whole load management thing one of the things that I started talking to people asking people in the league about was what if you expand the rosters what if you went to like a legitimate 15 16 would that solve the problem and the feeling out there is there's not enough genuine NBA talent to do that and so if there's not enough to expand the rosters, is there enough to have? And you, and you probably want to have two expansion teams, yeah. not one, to keep yeah, things even. Yeah, even. Yeah. So, um, on the other hand, the asking price now for a new franchise is two billion dollars, <laughs> and the other owners love <laughs> the idea. They're going to turn up, turn that down. Yeah, exactly. And there's plenty of people. Out, well, not plenty, but there are enough people out there who have a couple billion dollars to join the NBA family that would be willing to do it. So we'll see. I would I would just that would be my guess is that if it happens it's gonna happen through, through expansion, expansion as opposed expansion. to a player uh, as opposed to a franchise moving. Again, this is Cameron Cameron Buford, voice of the fans. Hey Rick, this is awesome for you to join me. I just got a couple more questions. We'll let you get some work done, man. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Giannis in the Milwaukee Bucks, mm-hmm. are they going under the radar this year? I haven't heard a lot of talk about them, obviously, with the big moves uh, teams in L.A. have made. Houston made some big moves. Philadelphia, who I think is the early, have the early lead in the Eastern Conference with the addition of Horford and that team developing. Uh, maybe you need to go out there and work with your boy ben Simmons. ben Simmons get him a jumper I mean or, or get him willing well, to shoot a jumper that's the one reason why I'm not buying for whatever's happened in the east and the addition of Al Horford you still not buying who's their go-to guy well hopefully it doesn't come to a go-to moment you gotta I have would, a go-to guy I'll, I'll go with a B first before Simmons and before uh, I'm with you on Turner. that I'm with you on that. The problem with a big in a need situation is that you got to get him the ball. He can't bring the ball up. That's true. That's true. So now, when you got eight seconds and you're in a, in a need situation, like I can just say, I'm going to deny and beat the ball. Or I'm going to make it difficult for you or get, when tick, he gets the ball way tick, out on the tick, or yeah. he's going to get it in a place where, like, it's. I got you. Without being able to okay, okay. inbound the ball to a guy, he's at the top, he'll and now his, he gets to he operate. He does his thing. I got you. That makes sense. So, but he's for. I will go with him first, and then Simmons can get. Simmons gets to the hoop. If, if nothing else, he gets to the bucket. Yeah, but you can't get. You're not going to get to the bucket. You're not going to get a quality shot. You're not going to get to the bucket in these situations. Why do we? Why do we see so many guys who are like you hear all the greats who say? Not only can you not just settle for threes and get to the hoop, you need a mid-range because in need situations down by one, the mid the mid may be the best shot you get. Yeah, yeah. And the other part is, 
dude, you gotta show me that you're willing to take that shot all the time, every time. And there are times where sometimes he wants it, sometimes he doesn't. I can't, I, I can't as a team, I can't have that. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I can't argue that. You need a, you need a guy and a, um, a wing guy or a guard is going to be better accessible to make it the, his open bucket at and they had, less, less uh, crunch time. Look, and they had J.J. Redick. I didn't like the, I didn't like the, the loss of J.J. Redick. Yeah. I didn't like letting him go. I didn't. That 100%. Worked. But even like with J.J. Redick? Where did he go to? He went to, the, he went to oh, New Orleans. New Orleans. What do you think of New Orleans? Are you, excited to, see, are you excited to see the squad? What are um, your thoughts on I am excited to see it. Uh, I'm probably more excited about their two draft, their second and third draft picks. Hayes. Or Hayes. Hayes and uh, Alexander. Okay. Oh, yeah, the Canadian. Yeah, Mikel. Mikel, yeah. I think is, is his first name. I saw him in Summer League. That he, dude can play. He gets to the bucket. He can shoot it. Mm -hmm. He can defend his position. Yeah. He's going to yeah. be good. He's, he's on, yeah. He, he looks I nice think there's on. way too much hype about Zion Williams. He, he is an electric athlete. He has to learn how to play the game. He has to learn how We're to play the game. here in the UNLV, my comp would be the grandmama, Larry yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Like 2.0, if you will. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what. Your listeners aren't happy. Your, your, your listeners aren't buying that. That, I mean, the, that's the what hype is. is Zion's supposed to be the next LeBron James, no, not the next no. Larry Johnson. No, no, that's about where I think he is. Okay, uh, that's about I think where I think he is. I, and even Larry Johnson coming in, well, had a better, had all more all, game, all around game. He did. He did. But I think he might be a better pro than Larry Johnson. But that's about the body type be. that I see. Th this is my, this, this is my, simply my thing is that Zion needs to develop. Now, does he have the raw ability to be fantastic? Absolutely he does. But he has to develop as a player. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, you can beast people at the college level. Right, you're not going to do that. Well, you're not going to beast people consistently. That's not how you win games. He did it in summer league. He did it in summer league. Until he got hurt. Right. And he was out of shape. I thought. And he showed you that he didn't have much other shape. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't up close, but was he that much under shape or was I, he hurt? I said this before. This is my, my son, Matt. I brought him to summer league with me. Uh-oh. Um, but we actually, we got we came in a day late. So we were at home watching the, the first night. game when okay. the earthquake happened yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. And he looked at Zion and he said, he's not in basketball shape. Okay. He's a basketball shape. Okay. And that he's, he's a basketball it, shape. <laughs> he was... He was heavy. Okay. He wasn't, you know, he got gassed a little too quick. Um, look, I, everything I've heard, he's a great kid. Okay. But what I worry about the most is, and I think this is as much for the injury, is that they got to look at him and they went, oh, the hype is so strong. But I don't think that team, the way that team is constructed, they're like, he's going to be the only guy out there. I think. Oh, no, not I at think all. Those guys, those other guys have something to prove as well, so they're gonna like bring them along. Hundred percent. And that, not that I'm a fan of most of those guys, but I think that's gonna bring them together kind of quickly. But here's the question, and this is where we're gonna find out, like where Zion's head at is at, because he's gonna be the number one pick. What if Jackson Hayes' numbers are better than Zion Williams? Is he gonna be okay with that? Team's winning. Yeah. Jackson Hayes is good, or Alexander is getting 
more of the shine. Uh-huh. Zion going to be good with that? Well, he are the fans? Are the fans going to be good with that? Well, yeah, are they going to be, be happy winning? No, 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 not New Orleans. I'm talking about nationally, because oh, there's an expectation. Okay. We want to see Zion, like, you know. Here's the thing: fans get all hyped. Yeah. All the hype surrounds a guy, and then they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, he's not all that." It, it all and then, then they want to blame somebody. It all sounds good. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not expecting him to be LeBron for the next. I don't think he's the next coming. That's just my opinion. And I, I think I think he's gonna be L J ish. I'm with and you. Maybe maybe more. Explosive. But that's not that you know that's not what the the, the, the crowd, the media, or the, the rest yeah. of the fans believe that. Yeah, but that's uh, I, so I'm a little settled down on that. I'm gonna let you go on this one, man. You you've been here a long time with me. I'm gonna let you go on this one, Carmelo. Anthony. What yeah. do you think about Carmelo? Your thoughts on Carmelo? I think he's. Uh, do you think we'll see him in a uniform before the end of the season? Maybe if somebody if somebody's <laughs> if they're being if nice some, if if the Lakers get off to a bad if somebody gets desperate and they want to take a flyer yeah maybe but it, he's he's Allen Iverson all over again Iverson could have still played in the league but it was he still wanted to be Allen Iverson your thoughts on the interview that, that was my takeaway from the interview that he had last week yeah. is he said he's 35 years old I understand the politics of the game. Yeah. You're 35 years old. You, you're a 10-time All-Star. Are you supposed to know the politics of the game? You watch the same thing that you're going through happen to your former teammate, Alan Iverson. Yeah. How could you not be cognizant of what's going on? This is the. He doesn't want to just play. He wants to, he wants to be Carmelo. He wants to get his 30 points a game and his yeah, 20 or even buckets. he just he wants to be he wants to star he wants to be a star. Yeah. He wants to shine, and I don't fault him for that. Sure. But, like Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, two guys that were superstars in their own right at one time. But they came to terms with the fact that if I want to play, if I want to be part of something, I need to find my place. And I have to be open to that. What do you, what do you need from me? He struggled with that in Oklahoma City. And th- that to me was the perfect place for him to be a stretch for. Mm-hmm. Yes, Get was. yourself in, in as good a shape as you can. Figure out how you can defend fours. You're going to get shots on the perimeter galore. You got Steven Adams helping you on the back Playing line, covering for you. Yeah. You got Paul George and Russ Westbrook and Roberson. You got defenders around you. So all you got to do is make the effort. Right. And this could be a great situation for you. Yeah. And he couldn't find his way to it. Yeah. He struggled. It was... Yeah. And so then he goes to Houston, and I don't know what happened in Houston, but the bottom line is he couldn't make it work there either. He didn't show me that he was in particularly good shape. So teams look at it and go, well, those were ideal situations. Those were situations where they had veteran talent, and they couldn't make it work. Right. Like, who are we to think that we can make it work? How's Phoenix going to make it work? How's Washington going to make it work? Any <laughs> Chicago, team. how they're gonna make it work? Yeah, exactly. I mean, any other team. I agree with and you. And they man. would look at it and say, well, "We like we don't even have the, the the locker room leadership and players that are better than him that he would look to and fit in." Like, 
how is he not going to like send our our situation sideways? Like, what's the risk is too great right. for what the potential? Like, what's he going to give us? Right, right. So that's where Melo's just not seeing it, and and that's why I just. Unless it's a desperate situation, I just don't see anybody rolling those dice. Well, I thought the Lakers, if they, if that relationship is what we're heard it is, the Lakers would have signed him at the end of last season. Yep. If if, yep. if that relationship is all that we've heard it is, he would have been on that team even through the Trump his, the turmoil. His biggest supporters that I know in the league, when I've talked to, them, they're like, he can still play. But he wasn't in shape. He doesn't have his legs. I mean, the guys who love Melo right, will right. acknowledge right, right. he's not, he doesn't have his legs, he's not in shape. He, like, I mean, that's that's the end of it. So you look at you look at the work that Grant Hill and J. Kidd did at approaching 40, what Vince Carter is doing right. to maintain his athleticism. Right, right, right. Melo doing any of that? Yeah, yeah. there I mean, you go. There you, there you go, folks. Folks, Rick Buecher again, thank you for your time. Let the people know, Rick, where they can find you. So you can find me at Rick Buecher, R-I-C-B-U-C-H-E-R, on Twitter. Uh, same with the underscore Rick underscore Buecher on Instagram. Uh, the Buecher and Friends podcast. Uh, it's on the United Wecast Network. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can see me on FS1. Glad to see you here in Las Vegas. Thanks Thank for you for me. your time, you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for making time, Rick. Pleasure. Okay, Mr. Martin, this is Cameron Buford. This is segment two, Voice of the Fans. It is week 48, August 7th. Josh. When you think of the number seven, what's the first number that comes to your mind? First jersey or first guy that wore the jersey? Who wore it best, number seven? Well, it's I guess it's kind of unfair because I was flipping through some stuff on the internet today and I saw the Instagram post from the Nets of Kevin Durant's number seven okay, in Brooklyn. Okay, so that's the one that sticks in my mind. Obviously, that's like, be mine first, okay. But obviously it's not like the first number seven that I ever did see, but it's like the, certainly the most recent okay. and obviously – it's a number seven that can make a big difference in that the is, NBA yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. we cover. So I guess go. I guess that's the one that that really pops in for me. Okay, number number forty eight. That was a tough one. That was a tough oh, one. Oh, forty eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll give you a second to think about it. Sure. In C- I'm from Seattle. Uh huh. The number forty eight bus would take you right through the CD. <laughs> so when I think forty eight, I'm thinking anybody from Seattle, anybody ran ran with me would be thinking that number forty eight. So that kind of runs right through uh, the city. Nobody on the Sonics wore forty eight. No, nobody on the Sonics, man. I, I got baseball players. I got Jimmy Johnson, the race car I driver. I see Tory Hunter there. Tory yeah, Hunter, Tor- he was Hunter. great back in the day. I used yeah. to love watching him on the Twins. Yeah. Just like yeah. robbing fools of home runs. Like he wasn't a, a great power hitter himself, but he almost did more damage by taking away other players home runs okay back in those okay. days so. so yeah that was a um 48 was a kind of a tough number to come up with <laughs> usually some some of these numbers obviously are a lot easier than others but sure. 48 is kind of tough um so josh let the people know man what do, what you do i see you all all around nba um all around los angeles of basketball yeah uh, keep, so I whether it's clippers lakers you you stick around tell, tell me yeah what, what you got going in so i keep busy i mean specific to la 
Uh, I have a podcast called Hollywood Hoops that I co-host with Eric Pincus, who wow. folks may know from Bleacher Report, yeah. Basketball Insiders. He's like a cap expert. He's done a lot of work for NBA TV during the draft and during free agency. So check that out wherever you get your podcast. And when you're done listening to this one, check us out. Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, okay. Megaphone. We're on a website called lineups.com as well. So, yeah, we're all over. And then uh, the rest of the time, I'm the editorial director of a website called Post Up 360. Our big focus is what basketball players do outside of basketball, sure. right? Because, you know, sure. nowadays NBA players, are they're basically just like rich dudes, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> and that's not to like demean yeah, no, or degrade no, no, no. it, but it's like, you know, when you have that kind of money yeah, and you no. have that access to, to resources and, and people, want. then it's like, well, what do you do with right, it, exactly, right? Exactly. You know, some guys, they get into into businesses, they, they start their own, they work in venture capital, whatever. Some guys start foundations and they give back to, to causes that really are near and dear to their hearts. A lot of guys have fun hobbies or they'll go on vacations. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got interesting people in their lives, friendship, close friendships and all that so we really try to give folks a scope of what's going on in the basketball world beyond the game so um, that's been really the focus of a lot of the questions I've tried to get out here at Team USA talking to guys about things that they're doing outside of basketball and to a certain extent how does that overlap or interact with the potential to be traveling to China and Australia oh, wow. with yeah, Team yeah. USA, you know? Oh, yeah, that's, so a good, like, that's a good line. That's mm-hmm. a good line. Um, I my, I have a website, What's Good in Sports, and that's a, a, some of the, along the lines of what I like to talk about the players with is kind of what's going on with them outside of their sport. Mm-hmm. Um, th- in this case, basketball, but it's football, baseball, whatever it is, kind of what what moves them, what intrigues them. You work with Max. I do. You do. Max Maneo, she's great. She's um, a multimedia producer for us. She, um, you know, she's very well connected in that space. She mm-hmm. has a great rapport with players mm-hmm. and other people in that world. Um, and so she's been excellent in getting some great stories and mm-hmm. turning out some great stories for us. So definitely check out her work at, at CloseUp360.com, C-L-O-S-E-U-P, the number 360, on social at CloseUp360, YouTube.com at youtube.com slash cu360 so yeah we got a good little crew right, okay. we're small but we're mighty and uh, we're building every day hey that's all that counts growth we all need continuous development right absolutely so let's talk about somebody who may not be getting in the, the continuous part of that development uh, talk about mellow what's your thoughts on your initial thoughts on mellow and kind of what do you expect to see him in a jersey this season uh, I, I hope we see Carmelo Anthony in a jersey. You know, he's got a really complicated legacy, right? Because um, a lot of folks see the type of player he is, like an isolation scorer, guy who plays with his back to the basket a lot or faces up. And that's not really a player that's super in vogue these days in the NBA where it's all about ball movement, three-point shooting, and where the post is, is still important, but it's more as a conduit to move a defense, right? You pass into the post try to draw a double team you kick it to the open man he gets an, an, an open shot or right. if it's one-on-one you take him down and you score right um and obviously Mello has made some decisions over the course of his career yeah. that you can look at them through a certain lens and say well why did he do that right like he decided to he could have gone to play for the Chicago Bulls or Houston Rockets he decided instead to stay in New York play for the Knicks you know get as much money as he could 
Well, I think he gets, he didn't take the full max at that point, but right. he got more money than he could have gotten elsewhere right. to stay with a team that really wasn't going anywhere. Um, and it's interesting how this, this last portion of Melo's career has really sullied his name in a way because I think for the first 10 years of his career or so, he was in the playoffs every year, right? Uh -huh. yeah. you know, granted, it's not like he was advancing deep every year. He got to one conference finals in Denver. He got to the second round once mm -hmm. in New York, but he was still, uh, you know, I think a, a very productive player, maybe not the type of guy that you could build a championship team around. I think that was sort of part of from our expectations in the media, right, and fans that we expect, hey, this is the guy who was another great player from the, the class of 2003 with LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, but he never won a title right. or hasn't won a title. Right. And he never quite lived up to that same level sure. as those guys. And it, that's a tough comparison. It's a tough spot to be in. It's like you're being compared against you know, some of the greatest players ever, and obviously Melo has the sort of talent in a lot of ways that you figure he could measure up in that way. Sure. But it's that's still a really tough standard as far as what's left for him. You know, I was talking, I was, we were talking about this the other day um, on the podcast, our podcast actually, Hollywood okay. Hoops. Hollywood Hoops, yeah. <laughs> where, you can, the, where can you find Hollywood Hoops? Uh, everywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Megaphone, Spotify, lineups.com. We also on, on Dash Radio every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific time. So as far as what's next for Mello, you know, we were talking about this on Hollywood Hoops podcast recently how Vince look at a guy like Vince Carter right mm -hmm. he's going into his record 22nd season yeah and first half of his career he was the man he uh, you know he was a, an all-star dunk champion like superstar scorer that all that whole thing but the second half of his career the last decade plus now it's crazy how long he's gone he's been a role player right right in Dallas and Memphis right Sacramento and now Atlanta He's settled in as a guy who can, is going to shoot threes, he'll play some defense, and he'll be a nice leader for you, a right? Team a team That's player. That's kind of what you call a team player. And, and who would have thought that, that Vince Carter, from the outside, right, right that right. he would have been yeah. that guy after yeah. the way things ended in Toronto, right. and the way exactly. he kind of meandered from the Nets to the Magic to, I think, Phoenix for a time, too, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. But he's really found his niche in that way. And, you know, maybe it's too late for Carmelo to do that, but you know, he's 35, he can still play. So maybe if he's willing to, really truly willing to settle into a supporting role on a contender or wherever, I think there's still a place in this league for him. But it just is a matter of what is he, what are, what's his mindset going sure. in? And how much did is he gonna buy into that? Did you happen to catch a interview he did with Stephen A? I, I saw little bits and little, pieces. Little bits and pieces. And kind of think my takeaway from that interview, my biggest takeaway from that interview is he says, I'm just now learning the politics of the game. And I'm thinking, Melo. Bro, you've been in the game your been, whole life. <laughs> Melo, come on, man. You've been you've been 10-time All-Star. How are you, you going to say you don't understand the politics of the game? And then in fact, it's kind of disappointing that he watched one of his fellow team players, teammates go through the same thing. You kind of lived that scenario with mm -hmm. Allen Iverson. Mm -hmm. You couldn't understand from then that maybe you need to 
to change up your game. Maybe you need to be a more adaptable. Maybe you need to be a better faint player. That's kind of the sum of the things mm-hmm. where I really don't have any sympathy for the situation that Melo's in. And sure. he, he's had a great career, made a lot of money. You know, just uh, he, he's, he came out that he's looking for a, a fair word tour. Come, come on, Melo. You haven't <laughs> been around for a little while. Then stop that. You, you know. You don't lobby for that sort of thing, right? <laughs> it's like you don't, go, you don't go asking for a statue outside of a building, right? It's something somebody gives you if they feel you deserve it. Right. Like, it's exactly. not a good look if you're like, hey, hey, hey I'm begging for this. Yes, it's like, yes, come yes, on, man. Yes. Um, so you're familiar with basketball. Before we kind of get into well, let's talk about the Lakers and the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Who, who has a better duel and who has a better team in your eyes? And then I ask you who's going to advance further in the playoffs. Man, um, well, I think if you're talking about compliments, right, which two players, which of those duos makes more sense from a complementary perspective, I think it's LeBron and AD, right? Because you have LeBron, who's the playmaker, perimeter scorer, and you have AD, who's the, really the finisher in a lot of ways. And you can, you can build a really good offense around each of those guys. They do it in different ways, and you can really play them together very effectively. Um, Playing him pick and roll for just imagine LeBron throwing lobs up to AD like that's gonna that's gonna be unstoppable. Right. But there is something to be said for Kawhi and Paul George as far as a team concept, right, and consistency. Because if if you're the Lakers, you're gonna play a different way when LeBron is on the floor versus when AD is on the floor versus when both are on the floor. Sure. Right. Yeah. If you're the Clippers, you can pretty much play if you want. You can pretty much play the same style for One 48 minutes, basically, yeah. right? Because like, yeah. Kawhi, Kawhi and Paul George are very similar players. They have very similar skill sets. They're both these um, dogged wings who they're not great ball handlers, but they're good ball handlers. They're not great passers, but they're good passers. Mm-hmm. They're they're good sh- they're good shooters. They can create. Um, they can score. They can get inside. And then, of course, they're tremendous defensively. So for the Clippers, you don't have to change a whole lot if one of them sits versus the other. Um, of course, maybe the only thing that changes is, well, Lou Williams comes in, so yeah. let's get him the ball and sure. have him pop off for sure. a bit. Um, but I think that's, from a broader team perspective, I think the Clippers are a l- slightly better situated, slightly, because yeah. the Lakers are betting more on some older veteran, guys, veteran guys, you're saying, okay, well, you know, hopefully we can still get that, that kind of top-shelf performance out of Danny Green. Hopefully DeMarcus Cousins comes back strong from his torn quad. Hopefully Rondo still has some good years in him. You know, Hopefully a- last year was an anomaly for Avery Bradley. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of we're not sure, whereas okay. with the Clippers, it's, you know, Trez is still young. Landry Shamit's still young. Those guys are still going to get better. Jamichael Green is, is, you know, he's in his prime. He's solid. And Lou Will, like, he's coming off back-to-back sixth man of the year. So unless he really takes a nosedive physically, you figure you know what you're going to get out of those guys. And I don't think you quite know the same for Uh, the whole Lakers cast. Though Obviously having a guy like Kuzma who's out here for Team USA. And, and looking good, might I add. Mm-hmm. Not just because of the hair, right? No, no, no. Ignoring <laughs> the hair. Totally ignoring the hair. He looks bigger. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if the tattoos added more weight to him, but he, he definitely... He's got extra ink. It's just like I heavier mean, ink. <laughs> <laughs> He's got inked up over the last couple of years. He needs oh, to give man. a shout-out to his, uh, to his uh, ink... Um, 
his tattoo artist. artist his yeah. tattoo artist, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you, so do you have do you pencil in the Clippers ahead of the Lakers, or do you pencil in the Clippers at number one in the West? Um, because of what you went through, because of what you said. That's tough because they're probably going to be without Paul George for a time early on the season. I know Kawhi at his introductory press conference said that you know the whole load management thing was specific to last year because he was still dealing with leg issues, but now he's 100%. But who knows, maybe they, they still rest him at times during the regular season. So I think that could end up affecting okay, where the seeding. Clippers wind up seed-wise. So I think the Lakers could be – but then I mean, the Lakers – in theory, could be and should be the better regular season team, but if anybody needs load management, it's probably LeBron, right? So, right, right. So I don't think the Lakers would be – I don't think they're gunning for the number one seed. No, I don't think West. either I of those teams are. I think they'd be happy with four, five, or six. They just want to be in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Man. I think they would be happy with four, five, or six, and then they kind of do would do some changing around because obviously I think they're more built for the playoffs. Sure. Um, I, I, that's what I think about mm-hmm. them. I wonder – I think the Clippers need a point guard. Am I am, am I am, am I wrong in saying that they need a point guard because where Kawhi is awesome, mm-hmm. Paul George obviously he's gonna mm-hmm. miss some games, but Paul George is awesome. I don't. There's nobody on that team to try to to put these guys in good play, in mm-hmm. good position. I although Kawhi can lead your squad, he, we saw him do that with uh, Toronto. Although Paul George can pass the ball and get the other guys some buckets as well with Lou Williams, that's not their strength. Right. They have um, Patrick Beverly. That's not his strength. His strength is more defense and kind of being the defensive stopper. So I wonder, I, I think they need a point guard. I've th- kind of thought this last season as like well. Like a veteran point guard they you need can create. Like a, no. Not Ricky Rubio. They need right. a Ricky Ru- Rubio type. Mm. A facilitator, somebody who's not looking to score, mm-hmm. and you'd be happy with ten points. Somebody just to get Harold the ball. Somebody just to get Lou Williams the ball. Somebody just to get Paul George the ball in a shooting position. Mm-hmm. Somebody just to get Kawhi Leonard the ball in a shooting position. Versus these guys, and, and I, I kind of already hear Doc in the back of my head saying, "We have a team that everybody can be the playmaker on the squad." But I think in the playoffs, mm-hmm. you kind of need one guy mm-hmm. to kind of make this happen. Right. Do you, do you, am I off on that? What's your thoughts? Um, it just really depends on how they construct the team. Um, I think I think the dark horse in this conversation conversation is Landry Shamit. Because we all think of now Landry Shamit as like J.J. Redick Jr., right? Yeah, exactly. You know, guy who's going to run off screen, yep. shoot, yep. whatever. Yep. And he was great at that as a rookie. Yeah. But he played point guard at Wichita State. He was a point guard before he got to the NBA. Mm. And so he didn't really get a lot of opportunities to play point guard. Mm. Now, obviously, learning to play point guard at the NBA level is not what you want out of your point guard if you're the Clippers right now trying to compete for a championship. Especially, you know, Doc Rivers has not always been the best about young player development. Yeah, yeah, coaching up the point guard. Right. But they did a nice job with Shea last year. So maybe they shift some of that to Landry. I think obviously if you're going to try to win in the playoffs, you probably want someone who's a little more veteran in that regard. But again, if you are the Clippers and you're looking to maximize Paul George and Kawhi as your fulcrums, 
and you're going to put the ball in their hands. Uh, maybe they don't bring it up every time. Okay, so Patrick Beverly can bring the ball up, mm -hmm. right? Other guys can bring the ball up. But it, when you're talking about creating that play in the half court, you have guys who can do that. Um, but, yeah, I guess it would make sense if you really want to maximize Kawhi and Paul George in a secondary way then you want more of a traditional playmaker who can set them up so that instead of them having to work for that, right. that and possession, that's, that's exactly you set I'm them saying. up for, hey, you get it on the wing, one, two dribbles, you go inside, you make a play, whatever. Yeah, that, that, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm not saying that these guys are um, not capable of filling that role. Mm -hmm. I just, do I want these guys exerting all that energy doing that? And that's not their primary skill set. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. They that's can fair. do it. It's just not exactly what I brought them on the team to do. Right. And that that's would be my major concern. Um, but this NBA season is going to be exciting, man. Do you think Russell uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden is going to work in Houston? Absolutely. Number one, from a personal perspective, those guys have been close for 20 years. Like okay. They, they were friends back in South L.A. They grew up at the same, playing at the same YMCA, like they've known each other forever. Okay. They go, they, you know, James went to Russell's wedding. They hang out on each other's birthdays over okay. the summer. Okay. Like, these guys are close, okay. right? Obviously, it's not a Chris Paul situation in that sure. way. From a basketball perspective, I think it could work out very nicely, actually. Number one, they've played together before. Mm -hmm. They spent three years together in OKC. And obviously, they've grown as players in different ways since then. But when you think about it, First, from the James perspective, where you don't want him having to be the primary playmaker all the time. Exactly. When he's going to wear down, you want him to be able to maybe have some possessions where he's just he's on offense and he's kind of drawing the defender out just by virtue of the fact that he's James Harden exactly. and he's a threat, right? And maybe then he can take some of that energy and put it more into defense, doing other things. And from a Russell perspective man, this might be the best situation he's ever been in for his game. If you think about all those years he spent in OKC, surrounded by a bunch of guys who are non-shooters, non-threats. Everything you're saying, right? I'm, and, I'm thinking everything right? you're saying is, is I'm in total so like, agreement with you. And so everybody's would talk about, man, look at how bad Russell's three-point percentage is, how bad his field goal percentage is, all the turnovers. Well, yeah, think about the – the floor he was dealing with. It was right. cramped, right? The defense is just packing in. Right. He's having to create something out of nothing. And he's exerting a ton of energy doing that. Whereas in Houston, what think about what their style was the last two years with James and Chris. It was ISO. Mm -hmm. But because they were spreading the floor, either with five sh shooters or four guys who can shoot and like the big and Clint Capella. So you give the ball to Russell Westbrook one-on-one. -on -one, He's gonna get by his man, and he's either gonna rock the rim, or he's gonna see. Kick all right, out, kick out yeah, kick out. Yeah, yeah, hey, where does the help to help come from? Boom, simple, three. So I think it's gonna be phenomenal for him and phenomenal for James, and allow both of them to play at their best without having to be at their best all the time to the extent where they wear down. That's a, that that is a great breakdown of what the Rockets are and why I am a Rockets fan this season. Again, I told you I'm from Seattle. Mm -hmm. So my Sonics left years yeah. ago. So I went one year without a 
basketball team. And then Kevin Durant and Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook was so good. And then they drafted James Harden. I was like, wow, I have to, I have to root for these guys. <laughs> They're just that good. Sure. But what happened now this last season with uh, them trading away Russell Westbrook mm -hmm. and getting draft picks for him? It's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> come on, guys. Now they got Chris Paul? Well, I'm not a Chris Paul fan. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm that. So I'm jumping ship because uh. <laughs> I'm jumping ship now. Because you because you you covered him too closely when he was with the Clippers. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I didn't. I just started covering the Clippers a couple a few years ago after the Chris Paul era. Mm. Um, Chris Paul is a great point guard, but uh, I've come to learn that he's not a very good team team player. And as I, I, as crazy as that sounds, I don't know how that how that works out when your your job is to facilitate and make everybody else feel good about themselves. Mm. And how you're bad at that in the locker room, I I don't. I don't get how that works. However, that's what Chris Paul is, mm. and um, he's very demanding. I, he expects not, a lot of his uh, teammates. Demanding. That's being that's being mild about it. I mean, <laughs> come on, guy. And and then then kind of what's going on is happening with him is that he's demanding uh, superstar caliber play when he's providing kind of starter play. I mean, and that's kind of a starter level play. I think that's what's kind of going on. I'm just not a Chris Paul fan, so. All right. Um, so, but he is a reason I'm rooting for the Rockets this year. You might see me in a Rockets hat. Oh wow! No, in, in all seriousness, uh, I'm a big fan of Russell Westbrook, um, and the. I don't know why Oklahoma City traded James Harden for four million dollars. The kids say oh, he wanted sixty. You guys are offering fifty-five. Pay the guy the extra freaking million dollars. Million. Hey, he got a lot more than that in Houston, so I think it worked out better for him. Yeah, but they come on, they should. If that was a, the complaint, and you that you have Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, and we're talking about four million dollars that we're we're haggling over four million dollars. Come I think on, that's, sign that guy. I, I'm I'm skeptical that that was really what it came down to. Really? I think okay. it was more that in that moment, you know, James was the sixth man of the year. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be more than that. He was never going to be a starter in OKC. As they as they saw it, as they were constructed, yeah. and he was never going to get the same kind of payday that Russ and KD got. Yeah. But in Houston, he could be the designated rookie, yeah. right? Because right, right, yeah. there were no other guys like that yeah, on the roster, yeah, yeah. and so he got paid as soon as he got to yeah. Houston. And, so. And yeah, they. they <laughs> I guess it's hard to say no. <laughs> I'm not interested in your million, hundreds of millions of dollars, and, and then Adidas paid him 200 million. But yeah. I, I think. For the reasons you mentioned, I think that is a great, uh, is going to be good, uh, a good fit. And I would say it even in even simpler terms, Russell Westbrook is a better player today than Chris Paul is. Absolutely. So they're not going to go. I think they went a stretch. There was 0 for 27. The Rockets were mm -hmm. at some point. They're not going to have that problem. In, with Russell Westbrook on the team. Well, if he's the one taking all the threes, you might have that issue. Well, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't, but hopefully he's wise enough yeah. to now. We got enough three pointers on the team to shoot threes. Mm -hmm. You penetrate. You, you don't come out the paint, but buddy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's where your your shots come from in the paint and get mm -hmm. to the bucket. Mm -hmm. You do what you do. Um, so let's talk about some of the teams that you're excited about to see this season. Uh, the younger teams, I, I should say. Um, um, 
like I'm kind of excited to wonder when are the Toronto or not Toronto when are the Phoenix Suns going to turn the corner mm. I like the makeup of what I'm seeing from Memphis although I, not, I don't know that they're ready yet no they're I, so young I like the I like kind of like what I'm seeing coming together there with some of the good pieces that they have mm-hmm. who are some of the young teams that you're interested in seeing I mean I guess the Pelicans is kind of a cliche answer at this point because we all want to see what Zion looks like um, they have a lot of young talent coming in not just with him but the guys from the Lakers, Alonzo, Ingram, and Josh Hart, and some of the other draft picks, Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, they've got some nice young talent there. It's going to take time for those guys to develop, but that's kind of part of the fun is seeing who guys these guys are, out, yeah. what they look like, and they're going to get up and down like crazy. You know, those young guys from the Lakers in particular, like that's what they were doing before LeBron mm-hmm. got to town, mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. for a time afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to have a. They're going to want to prove something. They're yeah. going to want to prove something to the league that they weren't just throw-ins. Totally. And uh, if I'm if I'm Rob Palinka, I, I can't let that trade go down. Well, he kept cool, so that was a good job. <laughs> but Josh Hart, I was hoping somebody wasn't looking under that rug over there, <laughs> because I think Josh Hart is a great player, yeah, a four-year guy in college. He's a really kind good of a role glue, player. Kind of a glue guy on the mm-hmm. team, and. Um, I don't know that his his value is going to be seen in New Orleans. I think it will. You think so? I, I mean, I, I mean I, I, everybody I needs a shooter who plays defense, right? So yeah. he's that guy. He's a cerebral player. He'll get to play. Obviously, they, they're a little jammed up at guard because you've got Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be starting there. Really, really high-caliber player. Maybe he becomes an all-star again. J.J. Redick they brought in. So that's basically your starting backcourt. So you're looking, and you're probably starting Ingram at the three. So you got Lonzo and Josh Hart as your your second unit backcourt, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Um, and you got probably Zion at the four, and what's your Derek Favors at the five. What's your call for Zion? What do you, what do you expect <sighs> from Zion? Uh, what do I expect from Zion? Jeez, yeah. um, I guess I guess he, the closest comp would be like a. Charles Barkley, but he's bigger than Charles. I'm not saying he's going to be that because yeah, yeah. Charles was an all-time great. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I expect him to be a real energy player, a hustle guy, at least until he like tightens things up skill-wise as far as being a shooter and a creator uh, and a passer. But um, just by virtue of the fact that he is so big and strong and athletic and fast, I think that's going to allow him to make plays and be productive yeah. until oh, yeah. he figures he, it out. He, he just to play again. Yeah, yeah, you sure, just hope that he stays in shape and he stays healthy. He doesn't yeah. wind up hurting himself or busting through a shoe in the NBA. So, but, so yeah, they've that'd got. That would be a bad look if it yeah. happens again to Nike. Oh man, yeah, that would be a bad look. Jordan, but in fact, in this case, because he's the Jordan brand specifically. Yeah. So yeah, they be better cool. fortify that shoe yeah. with titanium. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, I'm expecting like a Larry Johnson 2.0. That's kind of what I'm expecting sure. from him. Yeah. Now Larry came into the NBA with a more well-rounded game, mm-hmm. but that's kind of—I don't want to say the ceiling—but I'm expecting that kind of production from him. Yeah, um, we'll in, see. In this year. Depends on his role with the Pelicans. So, but he'll he'll have his opportunities. But if they're look, if they're a, a playoff-caliber team. You could go one of two ways. You say, well, then Zion doesn't get those same opportunities to to learn from his mistakes, or maybe they're a playoff team because Zion is that good right yeah, out of yeah, the yeah. gate. There you go. Okay. 
Okay. What do you think about the Sacramento Kings? They have some good young talent. Um, you know, we'll see if that organization really is on the up and up. They've got a new coach in Luke Walton. See how he and his staff settle in there. Um, they've done a nice job of developing young players. You know, they're one of their assistants, Rico Hines, who's well regarded around the league, done a, does a nice job of uh, running pickup games to UCLA in the summer. And you know, he's worked with Pascal Siakam and Thomas Bryant and uh, Jordan Bell and a lot of Trevor Reza, all these guys he's worked with forever. And so they've done a nice job of, you know, with guys like Darren Fox bringing them along. You know, we'll see about Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley. Um, you know, I think Harrison Barnes was a good pickup for them, and it's good for them that they brought him back uh, at the rate that they did. It's, you know, it's it's they're paying him a lot, yeah. but um, I think he can do a lot he can for bring that something team. To, he, he brings something to, to that squad. Yeah, I'm just I'm always a little wary of you know they showed promise last year and then they fired the coach and they bring in a whole new staff and that means you got to start over again with a new playbook and yeah, a new yeah, this yeah. new that and it's like well whatever progress they made and would have made from last season to this season now is going to be a little bit stunted because everybody's having to because of what happened yeah, yeah. Learn, learn a whole new system yeah exactly Josh let the people know where they can find your information so you can find me on social media at Josh Martin NBA that's on Twitter Instagram and Facebook too um, you can find Hollywood Hoops at Hollywood underscore hoops on most social, but at facebook.com slash Hollywood Hoops pod. Um, and then obviously find all of our work at Close Up 360 at closeup360.com, at Closeup360 on social, and youtube.com slash CU360. CU360. Yes. And I'll see you later, Josh. I want to thank Amen. you for your time, man. This has been pretty cool. Um, My pleasure. We value, value your hoop uh, knowledge and your hoop opinion. So thank you for joining me, and we'll, let's. Look forward to doing this again sometime. Likewise. Thanks for having me, All Cam. right, Josh. Thank you again, big guy. Of course. Thanks for making our voice your choice.